Um, so I'm here to help your business, another DevSec FinOps Cloud Native institution of Jacobshire Services. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's now called Cash Ops, you know. It's, it's just, just Cash yeah. Ops, you know. For £2,000, you 2, can get all pounds. of these services. Hello and welcome to Cloud Unplugged. This is season two, episode five. I'm John Shanks. And I'm Jacob Shaw. Um, so we put the world to rights in the last episode. Uh, mm-hmm. Feel free to have a listen. Apparently, I got the most passionate I've ever been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, last time we spoke about um, kind of just the how to make decisions so that you don't have high cost or insecure um I guess cloud delivery and whether you can stay lean. Um, today we're going to talk about like cloud native. What does cloud native mean? DevOps. What does DevOps mean to cloud native? Um, obviously they're separate things, but kind of overlay a little bit on mm-hmm. um, quality and expectations around applications. Um, and then portability and the other advantages and things like that, and whether it's important, whether you should do it, whether you shouldn't do it. So. I guess cloud native, Jay. Sure. As always, I'll ask you questions and then violently um, disagree with everything. I'm yeah, I'm, <laughs> I might ask you a few questions here because uh, yeah. you were head of DevOps a few times. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you what DevOps Bloody means. Bloody DevOps. Yeah, I know. You love it. Uh, well, before, back in the day, yeah. um, how people were delivering was very siloed. Um, network teams, everybody. We talked about it before, having big spreadsheets and releases and all this other stuff. Um, and DevOps was a way for operational aspects of the delivery to sit close to the application and the application team become familiar with those operational aspects and to improve the application delivery, um, speed and you know time to market, etc. And then the quality of what was being produced as well. So that's where it originated from um and there's been a lot of improvements on quality but then obviously the industry's also evolved so it was a methodology obviously uh, but it was trying to solve a very specific problem Mm. back then and that problem probably does still exist i'm not saying it's gone away there are people that do have lots of different teams that maybe are delivering in kind of slow traditional ways and maybe looking at just going to agile for the first time and looking at devops and things like that so Obviously, depends on where you are as a business, but there are also a bunch of other companies in, uh, that have kind of moved to cloud. And you know, there's things like cloud native and microservice architectures and all these other things. Mm. Um, and the agile ways of working have already given people quite a, a quicker way of track tracking velocity. Yeah, you know, story pointing, um, especially using Scrum, etc. So. There are delivery methodologies that are around DevOps too um, that don't measure quality, right? So that's just about speed. But the definition of done, you could argue, could measure those things. Exactly. Right? So you could shift that stuff to a different place, set some requirements on what the definition of done means, um, define the software delivery lifecycle and, you know, around all of your delivery mm. um, and kind of encompass it as one. Um, I don't think it was supposed to be... a th- permanent role is it's it supposed uh, to be a cultural change in some ways i think are you, are you saying you don't like the devops engineering role that has now existed i don't think it really means anything 
really. I think yeah. I think it's yeah. become it's a category of somebody's CV, but the CVs will look different. Mm. So a DevOps engineer for X and a DevOps engineer for Y, you know, what goes in them most of the time is not the methodologies yeah. and not so much necessarily the responsibilities towards the business outcome, but is now more about the technologies you understand. Totally. So, yeah, in that sense, I don't really agree with it necessarily but i think it, you've just kind of got used to it so it doesn't it kind of means what it means so you just missing you just reinterpret the meaning which is what i've done which is like oh it's a it's somebody helping with application delivery that's kind of like got some skills so let's say you've got the uh the chance to like coin a new term right you can you can create a brand new term for this engine for this person that is delivering on this business outcome for this organization what would you call it well, I guess it depends. There Manual are probably automator? no, because there oh, are probably okay, cool. terms already yeah. <laughs> that exist that just that do get used, but just less mainstream. Like a cloud engineer mm. would make sense, yep, right? Because you're engineering for the cloud, that's your job. Um, you might encompass understanding DevOps, right, as part of that, but it doesn't mean that they are a DevOps. Yeah, if cool. that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you might ask questions in the interview process where they understand it. SRE again, another role very specific, very much not DevOps again. What is that, SRE? Site Reliability Engineering. Basically, always being responsible for the scale and reliability of a service um, and being quite embedded sometimes in specific services and improving those services nice. in terms of reliability and scale, right? Yeah. Um, and if you're a large product business and you're seeing that as a challenge and you feel that it does require a certain expertise who does understand reliability really well and can think like that and puts the solutions in place to measure things well, then that makes perfect sense. Um, so automation engineers sometimes is those. Yeah. Um, but, but I mean... So there's lots of different terms that you could choose from that isn't necessarily DevOps engineer either. Yeah, it's true. I mean, um, automation engineer, I've seen that term kind of banded around a lot and... It probably, yeah, it's so similar, right? Because you are automating all the things, but it could be anything from infrastructure to tests to applications to like automating your coffee in the morning. Like, yeah, it, yeah. it could absolutely mean absolutely anything. Like so, Wallace and Gromit in yeah, life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how I get. Bed. That's how I get changed in the morning. Yeah, yeah I just pajamas automated. Come off. Automated come jeans on. and t-shirt. I wear the same thing every day. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, okay, so you've got um, DevOps, which is maybe like a cloud engineer, SRE, uh, automation person. Um, there's a couple of other things that you touched on there, which was um, cloud native. Um, so what, is, what does cloud native mean to you? What does it mean to me? What does it mean to you? Well, and then, let me tell okay. you what it means to me, all right? This is what cloud native means to me. So everyone, everyone listen clearly. Listen up. Yeah, listen up. Listen clearly. Um, it's a way of offsetting, um, offsetting complexity outside of your application to simplify it, to reduce, um, I guess, improve on the efficiency of that. So... It's giving the flexibility, portability, um, I guess, scalability, reliability of services and to capitalize on those things that are cloud, as in things that become native to the cloud. You can use all of those to mm -hmm. your advantage. If you do, that means you've shrunk how much your application has to worry about. 
right? Or other ancillary things to the application that might have needed to be there. Or your business, right? Or your business overall, yeah. So yeah. like a database, a message queue, all those things. You don't have to bundle that up as your app. You don't have to necessarily run those services. There are cloud services there for you to consume. Yeah. Um, and they can be highly scalable and reliable services that then improve your service because obviously you're consuming something that's reliable, et cetera. So there's good knock-on effects and principles around that. Um, and kind of microservice in design, usually not necessarily so, but most of the time you'd kind of simulate um, so those you, things. You, I guess architecture is is a big part of being sort of cloud native. Yeah. Um, and there are, are more sort of common patterns of, say, architecture nowadays. You know, you used to go from sort of client server models to um, now you've got, you know, the kind of um, microservice architecture, function as a service, serverless, all of that stuff. Yeah. Um, like where, I guess, what do you think is right for a business that the types of business that we talk about um, so the you know medium mid-sized enterprises or enterprises delivering software is is there any one right answer is it is it custom to what they're building well i mean there's different schools of thought i suppose here so there's a lot of services in the cloud already mm-hmm. um that you could choose from which will yield a lot of advantages um, serverless being one of them, not everything needs constant runtime. Not everything's processing everything 100% of the time. There are probably yeah. advantages to event-based architectures, yeah. right? Do this thing when this event comes in. Um, now, some of those things, and this is where it gets a bit complicated, are very bespoke to one cloud. Um, some things in the industry are more agnostic to other clouds. Um, and But then also some of those things that are agnostic are also very complicated, so there's a bit of a, you know, Kubernetes has been one of them, let's be honest. It's a big, fast ecosystem. Mm. However, it yields lots of advantages, but also inherently quite complicated um, and isn't that simple. It might be simple for some people, but it wouldn't be simple for somebody that's new to it, yeah. right? Who's got to learn all these new concepts. And, and But at the same time, there's lots of products there that simplify it too. So you could don't have to necessarily know the ins and outs of all of it. Um and then I guess that gives you multi-cloud stuff. But if you, you depends on your definition of multi-cloud. If mm-hmm. I want to port things around easily, but I'm kind of very customized into one, that's harder. Um, at the same time, the frameworks like SAM for serverless, maybe they're a bit more agnostic. Maybe yeah. it doesn't take as much to port things over. So I think from my experience, and this is going down a rabbit hole when it depends, um, what you need to keep your eye on is infrastructure and networks because usually the things that become difficult to maintain or pour or move between clouds are those things it's very rare the app the app is a library that's consuming some service like s3 bucket rds whatever um it doesn't care Mm. necessarily too much right i'm in a container great i mean i don't care yeah well you know what's scheduling me who cares yeah right kubernetes is a manifest can be that could be something else but changing the library is quite quick for the team because usually that team's iterating on bugs anyway and doing stuff so they can easily move to a new library and test the things that are usually complicated aren't those things it's usually how the cloud has been constructed underneath the team how it's operating mm-hmm. beneath the team that's delivering that then just can't be moved very easily. And we're like, oh, we can't really move this to another cloud vendor. Right. It's going to be like eight months. 
and we've got to like repeat all this other stuff and then it will need security stuff and then we need to get it pen tested and then like there's all these things and you just think well wow that's not very cloud native exactly it's um, almost the cost of the, the cost of the business is almost higher in terms like the cost of the development team tiny because they're only they only care about you know the unit test integration test of their service and maybe wrapping a library or whatever yeah. that is using a service but i guess the overall cost of the business to change it could be huge right to make it multi-cloud or, or whatever else and which kind of defeats the purpose of the cloud and cloud it, native right? for me cloud native is supposed to be like the flexibility yeah. and the portability but if your downstream infrastructure implementation detail is preventing that portability flexibility then something's gone wrong with your cloud native implementation yeah you know like you're not particularly cloud native you might be from an application perspective but not from an enablement perspective you're in cloud you're in you're cloud not, you're, you're not, cloud not native. that yeah. cloud native if it's that hard for, for things and you know so i guess to answer your question on like what do you do in the services and what does it all mean and the answer i think you've just got to keep your eye on how you're going about it more than anything else because that's the thing that dictates the total cost in the end or yeah. the lack of flexibility i'd say and and it's a bit of a you know it's, i guess it's a um you have to weigh it up because you can be totally cloud native and rely on all of the um sort of cloud SaaS solutions mm -hmm. but then you might be locked into that cloud vendor right which might be fine too which might be fine yeah exactly, exactly. that's not it's not that's what i'm saying it just just depends on on, on the organization on the organization yeah, yeah exactly and there are a lot of like you know stitching bits and bobs together even in the cloud you kind of got to stitch things right nothing nothing just works out the box and gives mm. you absolutely everything you need straight away yeah right so you know you've got to turn things on you've got to enable the apis right that to use it's like you've got to configure them to enable them properly it's like so where of cloud watch do i have logs well oh, yeah. yeah if you want <laughs> you can get them but do you want them and what do you, i mean how much like, is it going to cost you exactly where, yeah how do you want them where do you want them exactly so just one yeah. thing requires like qu oh, questions and yeah. thought and yeah. then you're like well do i want all that tied to a cloud vendor necessarily mm. i don't know maybe it doesn't maybe that's fine you can yeah. use it maybe it isn't fine maybe you're best off going to elk or something buying their SaaS, right yeah. but then it's holistic across all the clouds exactly so there might be better alternatives that aren't the cloud vendor specifically that give you a bit more agnosticity and portability yeah. for certain services. Again, though, you don't need to be an Elk team, yeah. right? Pretending to, to be a SaaS them. business inside Sorry. of another business, <laughs> providing a service back to all the teams yeah. like you are a s internal SaaS company. Because we've been down that path by accident. Certainly, yeah. You know, you go down that path and then it's impossible because it's like, you're trying to scale it and you're now acting like a SaaS business yeah. trying to run scale um on a service that isn't even what you created you're exactly just, you're and, just running it and your con your consumers i guess the you know um application developers that are just trying to iterate on their services are like why don't just give me some bloody logs exactly. i don't <laughs> you know, i don't, I don't I, it's so expensive to get them yeah. this 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 cost that you're presenting to me because you've decided that you want to run your own elk stack or something locally yeah. you know um locally to the business is is expensive and just really nuts. expensive yeah um and and i guess people fall into that same pattern or they have fallen into the same pattern uh even with kubernetes right so you know back before the um the cloud vendors had their own um managed 
uh, Kubernetes services, you spend so much time managing, upgrading, patching mm. all of these services that you can now kind of just get commodity off the shelf um, where it's even taking care of the master plane. You don't see those. And actually the newer services where you've got um, things like Fargate and where you don't even see the, the worker nodes. Yeah. Um, so is I guess when we're bringing it back to sort of cloud native, is there, is it a gradient? You know, how, what is, is are some things, uh, is it cloud native and it is or it isn't? Or is there a bit of a kind of sliding scale of something being more cloud native than less? I mean, I hope you're not suggesting that someone goes off to create an equivalent to Dora metrics for cloud native <laughs> and that someone's <laughs> going to come up with a bunch of specific things to measure how cloud native you are. Um, yeah, I mean, Probably is a sliding scale. It must be. But a I don't. Scale. I don't think that matters necessarily. It's tricky though to know. I think what you have to bear in mind is how much it's helped mm. the business, and you need some contextual stuff there to kind of ground it in. It's like if you've managed to write an app quickly and consume a lot of the services that the cloud vendor gave you, and it functioned really well, and there's really good SLAs for those things. Yeah. Right. And now you've got good agreements in place and good support agreements and running that stuff. You know, the alternative would have been, well, I'd like to run all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it would have cost me all this money. Then obviously it doesn't make sense. Exactly. Um, and so I think if the application is designed in a way that's taken advantage of everything that's there, that's all it is. It's that's like it. capitalizing on value yeah. at an application level. Um, and at a team level. And, and an at organization level. level. Yeah. But I think it is more on the infrastructure side, still tends to lend itself to the burden. But you're right. Things are improving there um but it's a funny paradigm because we're talking about like teams and central teams mm. but there's a juxtaposition between those things which is the central team isn't the business unit yeah and the business unit owns the users a lot of the time on either end and potentially the data depends how you've organized yourself but mm -hmm. if that out if there was an outage planned or if there was a service maintenance window or something they would have to comms to their users to let them know yeah right because maybe they don't have to let them know but yeah potentially but those users have an expectation on their service yes yeah. right and so the minute those users have an expectation on their service and we're in a very consumer driven world right people get very frustrated there's probably someone else i can go <laughs> right so it's like oh well they had an outage for the, yeah. they didn't even let me know i'm going to use you know yeah, whoever exactly. else yeah, right because yeah. it's, it's competitive industry so that expectation has to be met and another team i mean this is why i think or like auto upgrades is just should be a thing mm. you know we should be shifting left to the business units i don't think this kind of dev shifting left i think there's elements of shifting left but there's also shifting left operationally to the business unit for cloud because right. they own the risk yep. operationally in the end so how can they be in control for themselves on managing the operational risk yep. to the point of not needing to be an expert. That's the kind of the dichotomy. Um, but at the same time, I don't I don't have a regional person knocking door to door who upgrades <laughs> my Mac for me. Right? There's a button that comes on it's like, do you want to upgrade now or do you want to do it later? I mean that was a solved problem. It's not like, oh my like God, that someone person bangs that, on my door that and that person like, that came to my house and asked to that upgrade was me. my 
That was oh me. Oh my god. That was that a scam? You were drunk. Did well. <laughs> you were very drunk and didn't <laughs> just handed my phone over. Exactly. Take all it. your data. Upgrade me. Yeah. All your data from doing that upgrade. <laughs> Jeez. Um yeah, so I I think you know the funny thing with our space and we talk about DevOps and things is other industries do a really good job on user experience. Right? They've thought yeah. that through. You know, the, yes, technology is everywhere. That doesn't mean experience has to be really highly complicated. Mm. So you can simplify things. You can make it easier. So you can shift these things left to business units. That's definitely possible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can make cloud native easier and simpler and also portable and also flexible and also multi-cloud. That is also possible. And you can actually make it easier for the teams to not even be affected by it. So you can shift it left and you can make it so simple that they're not even affected by, you know, infrastructure behind the scenes being upgraded or yeah, whatever exactly. else, right? Like all of those things, again, we were talking about, you know, making like the right thing, the easiest thing to do and, or, or, or the only thing to, that you're able to do. And if you've made those choices and, and and made that uh available to the users of your your service or whatever that you're providing to 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 uh, the application developers then you're going to be in a better position their users are going to be in a better position yeah um because so your users are theirs your, your users are, are them them and they have users and then downstream. they have users downstream exactly and so your internal customer in this case, is the downstream development teams if yeah. you are operating that kind of central capacity, I guess. Yeah. Otherwise, the team could hire you and you're sure. then responsible for the team. But even then, you've been hired to enable that team either way. Like, you know, you're that you have your own users. How you're serving those users, you know, does need thought, right? You can't just come armed with a bag of your tools and, do you know what I mean, just land in and be like, well, this is just what we're going to use because <laughs> this is what I've always used. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's yeah. like, well, I don't know, like, isn't there better ways? It's 2022. Surely we've. I feel like it always goes one way. It's it's uh, this is what we're going to use because this is the only way that I know how to do it. Slash, this is what I've always used, or this is what we're going to use because someone told me it's the next best thing, and you know I've got no experience of it. I've got no experience of this business and the requirements that I'm trying to meet. But yeah. it's uh, the next best thing. Low code, you know. Let's let's <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> yeah, just technology is the right one. Yeah, this is exactly. what we some, be using. some technology. Yeah. Let's just I saw it let's just do on it on Twitter. Yeah, I need like it. Just I need it day. on my CV. I need it yeah. on my CV. Yeah, it's um, definitely definitely going to be CV led. Hundred percent, stuff. I'd like to think though, people weren't motivated like that. I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe I have a bit of a half <laughs> a glass half full type mentality, but I just think the industry. If you're into technology, mm. then you're obviously going to find it stimulating, and you're obviously going to enjoy the fact that new things are coming out, and you really enjoy it, and you love the research and love trying things and tinkering. Nothing wrong with that. That's good. It means you're exploring. You totally. But you need to also apply it to the business in the right way. And so yeah. it can't just be that. I don't I think that's the disconnect. I don't think it's that people just want it on their CV. I mean, maybe there are people out there that do want it on their CV. I don't know. But I think maybe they do think it's maybe right, but they don't know if it is or it isn't because they've never used it themselves. It's <laughs> just, just measurement, right? It le always leads back, for me, it always leads back to, to measuring whether or not... Because if you, if you think about it, you know, engineering it's quite scientific you know you do something um and it and it, sorry it can be quite scientific in that 
you have a hypothesis that um, this change that you're going to make going to make has an impact but you don't actually people don't necessarily think of it in that way and they're not measuring it before and after mm. to figure out whether or not their hypothesis and their you know how they've experimented um, and implemented their thing has actually worked, actually worked yeah. yeah like how do you how do you know um and when it's user facing um you know to a business user application developers are are much better at uh, kind of doing this because they might have a, a bit more of a connection to say the revenue that their website is driving or the click-through rate of of um you know hotels being booked or something like that mm. whereas um kind of that that central team platform team cool sorry about that um everybody who had a run out of battery <laughs> um on the thing kind of classic um jay was the devops engineer on this, this guy um, always um some of the user requirements weren't gathered properly <laughs> on some of this stuff um yeah sorry about that we just had a, had a bit of a, a battery outage on something I had to like basically swap batteries cool story john thanks um so where were we we were talking about um the teams having end users of their own and meeting those requirements and then building in line with that and making them as efficient as possible and then you were talking about like measurements basically yeah. obviously tracking like did that actually bring the value exactly that before so and after i, I um, made a change the, the hypothesis you were talking about yeah i made a change that change cost me some time um and uh it cost the business some amount of money um and um does that is that change been beneficial or not has it meant that people on my platform or whatever can now iterate more quickly um does it mean that they there's less security flaws all of all of that stuff i just don't think that it gets measured in that way really mm. in in this uh in this environment in this kind of world that we're in yeah because um, they're not business measurements yeah anywhere, exactly and i'm not exactly. sure i've yet to have seen um they're probably downstream like we were saying before with devops it was downstream it's like was that did that code get deployed faster that's it right yeah. it's not it but that's not specific about like it's almost a representation of the downstream customer and so it kind of makes sense but like it could have cost loads of money to do that it's not like, all encompassing it's not it? all encompassing yeah. like maybe the effort involved for that result was yeah. way off yeah right it could cost you could have cost you yeah, you could do anything and be like, oh, by the way, how much did that cost you? Cost you three million pounds. Great. Okay, so I'm going to cool. tell you, I could have done million. that for two thousand pounds. What? Exactly. Oh my god. You realize? Jesus. So like, there's no context. Give this guy some money. Two thousand pounds. Just two thousand pounds. <laughs> oh my Just two thousand pounds. Jeez. Two thousand pounds to you, Jay. Wow. Right now. <laughs> i can i can do this where's my checkbook yeah where is my I, checkbook? exactly get it out <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so you're right i don't think there is structure around teams in the right way to know what the real business outcomes are beyond just standard delivery ones yeah. um and therefore there isn't a true measure of like the actual value in the end to the business in the right way and then things we were kind of ranting about before is like 
then you've got to go and buy something because that tea. Oh yeah, well you know we don't know about security. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you could go up as like come in to businesses and just say all the words. Yeah, couldn't you? You could say like, look, I'm a DevOps Cloud Native <laughs> specialist who yeah, SecOps. Yeah, who likes to do a bit of Sec. Uh, yeah. So we call it DevSecOps. <laughs> I do take finances very seriously. Dev so I do understand FinOps. FinOps. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm here to help your business under the DevSec FinOps Cloud Native Institution of Jacobshire Services. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's now called CashOps. You know? it's, it's just, just CashOps. Yeah. You know, for £2,000, <laughs> you can get all of these services. <laughs> um you know but we do do policy as code and it is very gitops yeah. and infrastructure is code centric and we do use continuous integration Sorry, continuous delivery my name's not chris did you did yeah. you think it was okay <laughs> these are all the things we do yeah <laughs> it's a bit of a funny space hard hard to uh all the words yeah all the, all the words. words that make no sense exactly. in summarizing the end um but make a lot of sense individually about what they mean but so i guess cloud native don't know where we obviously went off on a massive tangent about all this i've got to go off one more um cloud native um there's the there's value a, of it the value of it there's like you know um principles that you might uh kind of adopt while doing cloud native how much responsibility you're offloading to the cloud versus how much you're taking internally how much you're offloading to a service that you might procure product etc versus doing it internally and then what principles you might want to push down onto the application teams delivering in a cloud native way. Right. Um, and that's one thing that we haven't touched about touched upon yet. Um, obviously, you know, in previous jobs, uh, you've helped write sort of technical standards, standards for teams. Um, and some of this is like duplicated in 12 factor application standards. So do you want to talk about what that Sorry means? <laughs> uh what do technical standards mean just just um like 12 factor applications what are they you know or, or what what principles might you have um that you've set sort of as as a center of excellence type type approach that you that are good for application developers that are developing in cloud uh i mean that's massive in some ways but it i is. mean yeah it's a big topic but i guess you know everything has to boil down to again, an outcome you're striving for. So um, there are like, you know, you want that language, if you choose certain languages, you want the ancillary things to be as templatable as possible, right? So I guess that's the thing, like logging standards, mm. create a library, reuse it, have the standards baked into your languages. Um, the aim is to just reduce as much complexity as possible in the application um and then to also offset some of those services independently so like we're talking about what you're talking about payment stuff yeah um it doesn't matter what the service is but that service in theory should be able to have its own release cycle mm. and also scale independently um there are complexities with microservices right keeping track of everything everything yeah. moving around you how do you test that everything's going to work version right? it exactly yeah. so backwards compatibility comes in there and yeah. setting those standards that you know I think Google's one is if somebody's consuming this API at that point, I've got a contract to support that user, um, right? They're now using it as an expectation on it. So as long as you kind of have those principles laid out for yourselves, then, you know, you can just work out good ways of engineering at the application level to always be backwards compatible, version mm. your APIs properly as you're moving, 
maybe you can then get the data to say, well, no one's using the old API anymore. Yeah. Now we can decommission that logic outside. We don't have to have that version. So there's many best practices. Um, but if you're doing microservices, you need those rules, I think, in place it's just to make it easier for yourselves and to have different teams. Yeah. Um, otherwise, you're kind of like a monolithic team under the guise of yeah, a microservice exactly. just because you can it's also, easier. I guess there's also like organizational ways of, achieving something like that right like you could go off and like have an api gateway and start just pushing keep your old uh, version there and just start building out your new one iteratively yeah, totally. and, you know exactly. so like the how um your the onus on the application um development team changes depending on how you've enabled them um in the right ways yeah i'm not a fan of that just because of hot fixes and mm. things like that you've yeah. still you know if there's something wrong with that True. version you've still got to go and fix it if in you, multiple it, places exactly yeah. so yeah. i think you're best off managing code personally yeah. where mm. you have different version endpoints yeah. inside your code and that's very easily tangible and you can see it yeah right and you've organized your code in a really good way and effective way yeah um, but obviously there's many ways to skin a cat you don't have exactly. to do it that way but um yeah and then just basically obviously lots of tests you know failing fast those principles mocking things stubbing things yep. um there's even cloud services there's local stack there's stuff like oh, that yeah, that yeah, you can yeah. use right that you can even have it local on your machine you can test that these things work yeah um even when you're using cloud mocked cloud services um so there are many ways to do that and the testing period with the triangle thing obviously yeah. lots of unit tests and very small amounts of end-to-end -end at the top that's what you're aiming for yeah um so yeah, so they're all the kind of like standards. Obviously, there's bazillions of them, um, way more than the ones I've listed, but they are the main things on quality benchmarks. Nice. Um, what about, what would you have said? Have I missed something obvious? Uh, no, I think uh, that's that's pretty much it. Um, there's obviously the ways to kind of get your, um, your application running. So splitting out kind of... Um, environment config in a way that makes sense yeah using environment so, variables yeah exactly yeah, yeah, so, in your application yeah exactly so just just things that mean that you can scale well like build your application once and run it in the most efficient way by letting it sort of read config from something that's easily um sort of insertable as mm. possible and, and then managing um the release cycles of everything well um uh, remove like I I increasing the um, automation around your your products the um, the quality of your products independently um, and having a um, what's it called uh, an architecture that is decoupled um, mm. essentially that's that's all it boils down to yeah because some of them even with the with the decoupled architectures some things are, are people things. Some people mm. can be technology things. And I, I remember people talking about, oh, I need to release this entire, all my dependencies to test everything works. And I was like, well, you kind of don't, right? You could just say, actually, you as a team responsible for this microservice is responsible for managing and supporting it for all environments, Yeah. right? So actually, there's an expectation on another team that there'll be a dev version of this yeah. on the latest version of the thing which I also can check the version of. And then I can test whether I'm releasing, when I'm released to dev, that everything works according yes. to that version thing. And you've got your life cycle. It's like, it doesn't have to be that I'm now responsible for releasing your dev thing yeah. 
to see if it works because exactly. like i don't even know it works necessarily right i don't know how to you know so it seems a bit odd when people move it it's like operate it as if you were like the team's presenting the services yeah because yeah, exactly. someone's got to support that service eventually yeah so you've got a contract you've got a, both a software contract and a contract to the rest of your business yeah and to the every, team responsible yeah exactly yeah. on everything that you do um makes so there are many different problem. ways to think about the problem but yeah. the instinctive way is they'll want to solve it all by releasing everything as once in their mm. own environments and then testing everything works and that well that's possible but you yeah. could be spending ages trying to get someone else's thing to actually work yeah um which isn't a great use of your time to find out that actually it worked once you've got it hosted you like <laughs> yeah. so i just don't those it, unnecessary it time yeah, yeah. Exactly. that not business value but yeah um cool well we had a little bit of a hiccup in this episode um probably like might do some sneaky edits <laughs> yeah exactly to see what we can do editing um, skills to the max obviously as always want to hear from you any topics of interest please reach out if you don't agree with us please reach out and um or if you do agree with us reach out and have a conversation about it um but yes we shall speak to you all next time and again we'll just pick a random topic who knows what we're going to be speaking about um i don't you do do you i don't have a clue clue anymore um so yeah and stay tuned next week when we'll release another episode Great. Thanks, mate. Bye.